0: We had our family gathering last Sunday. Only time that our three sons and their wives and our eight grandkids could come together. So you're starting to put all the, like, the Thanksgiving things up, you know, the little sign, dollar store, you know. Uh, Thankful, grateful, blessed. I love that. I'm thankful for you, for Unionville Alliance Church grateful and blessed because you over the years have desired to touch the nations for christ here and throughout the world thank you so much god bless you and don't give up wonderful names neighbors and so they knew that uh, hey our kids were coming over got a great pool salt water pool warm 84 degrees how good is that come on over, and we did. And I thought back to my sons, my three sons, when I first taught them how to swim. It happened to be in West Africa, in Côte d'Ivoire, and I remember that pool in the city of Yamoussoukro. and the first times they were there, you know, uh, like the little Speedo, uh, with the little Speedo goggles, not me, not... <laughs> and they're sitting at the edge, you know, like... And you're in the water and you're saying, come on, you can do it. And that little lip starts quivering and they're just like, it can't be done. Look in my eyes. Don't look at the water. Don't be afraid. I know you can do it. Just look at me. And finally, they just got to do it. And you know what they do? They jump. Same thing was happening with my grandkids last week. You want the biggest hug in all your life? Get them to jump into the pool for the first time. Up they come. Their eyes are as bright as can be. And hang on to you with all their heart and strength. Elijah, Jacob, Evangeline, the three youngest. And they held on. This summer, actually, we were at a cottage, Bob's Lake, north of Kingston, doing some swimming there with the kids and the grandkids. And then we went to this uh, cliff that our sons had jumped off when they were young. And so now the other grandkids, the ones that are a little older, they climb up that 25-foot cliff. It doesn't look that bad. But when they get to the top, you can just, oh, my, what, what have I gotten myself into? You know that feeling? <laughs> and Opa, that's my name, the, the Dutch, you know. Anyways, treading water, Micah, you can do it. And he's just, that's far. Come on, Micah, I'm here. Oh, oh, don't worry, don't be afraid. Just jump. And you can just see him, everything within him, just, oh, why have I gotten myself into this? <laughs> and like his uncle, when he was young, I remember at last he said, forget it. And he just soared into the air, and these arms and legs flailing everywhere, and this silent scream. And all of a sudden, pow, hits the water. And you see the little bubbles coming up. Where's the head? (laughs) Finally, the head pops up, and there's a smile of elation. Yeah. Fear had gripped my heart, but it had become overcome. And I did something that I thought I could not do. Anybody here ever been afraid at home? Still in the bathrobe, that's okay. Have you been afraid? We all are afraid. And today I'd like to speak to you about conversations with Jesus that have become defining moments. Jesus has been praying, the disciples were in a boat it was the fourth watch of the night the romans had four watches six to nine nine to twelve twelve to three in the morning three to six ever done shift work the worst is three to six and on that shift jesus starts walking on the water to the disciples the water was seething and they see in the distance on this lake of galilee where even in hebrew legend all things evil are in the depths over there their hearts are all of a sudden just what i can't believe what are we seeing here and they cry out it says it's a ghost they cry out in fear strong tough men strong of limb and courageous nothing would scare them And then it starts to happen. It starts to happen. A conversation, not with me, but with Jesus. That beautiful, beautiful name. And if you get nothing else out of this, let these words of Jesus ring in your ears, today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. And what does he say? as he looks at his disciples, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. See, I've heard that before. New truth is old truth to new people in new circumstances. And I tell you, live life. It will hit you. And Peter's there at the edge of the boat, and he just can't believe this. But he sees Jesus, and his heart all of a sudden, in a new way, is gripped by a love and an admiration and a worship, and, and oh, Jesus, if it's you, if it's really you, command me to get out of this safe boat of my life and walk on water. Not for walking on water's sake, but just to come to you. And Jesus doesn't go into a whole scientific, you know, let science lead the way, explanation of why this should not happen or should or could. No. What happens? One word. One word. Come. And elsewhere he says, Follow me. It's not complex. And this dynamic conversation starts happening. And it can happen for you today and for the rest of your life. This dynamic conversation with Jesus, if we just stop and listen. And it's beautiful. Beautiful. And he says, Take courage, don't be afraid. One risk taker, 11 boat huggers. Peter was scared, the 11 were scared. But what was the difference? For Peter, his fear propelled him to Christ. Only the one who was the risk taker focused on Jesus and experienced the miracle. The other 11 saw but never experienced it firsthand. You see, friends, The strongest thing in your life this morning is that which you're focusing on. Is it on Christ? Peter takes his eyes off Jesus for a moment. He sees the seething water, the waves that are roaring, the wind that's howling, and all of a sudden, he starts to sink. (laughs) Ever get that sinking feel? Best prayer you can ever pray. He doesn't like big, long things, you know. You don't have to explain the world to him. Lord, save me. That works. And Jesus said, well, let's see this guy sink for a bit. Let him learn his lesson. No, it says, immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and grabs him. Fear knocked at the door. Faith opened it, and no one was there. And the two of them walk into the boat. And the others, their eyes wide open, even though the things round about them are raging. And they say, like, who is this man? Jesus! Jesus! And that's the question we ask ourselves. Who are we putting our trust in, our faith in? John Ortberg, in his book, you're the Son of God, uh, basically, he writes a couple of things. He says, normally when someone dies, their impact on the world immediately begins to change or recede. Someone wrote 15 years ago that our world had Bob Hope, Johnny Cash, and Steve Jobs. And now we have no jobs, no cash, and no hope. <laughs> well, younger guys, just ask your parents to explain but, you know, Jesus inverted that normal human trajectory. Jesus' impact was greater 100 years after his death than during his life. It was greater still after 500 years. And after 1,000 years, his legacy has laid the foundation for much of Europe. And after 2,000 years, he has more followers in more places than ever before. And according to the world latest encyclopedia, Dr. Charlie Cook, uh, March 2021, uh, Gina Zerlo, Todd Johnson, correct? Uh, it states that there are well over 2.5 billion. But you know, at the turn of the century, at the turn of the century, well, most of the Christians happen to be in this part of the world. <laughs> but that's all changed Uh, 82% at the turn of the century were were here, and 18% down here. Now, 33% of the people are here, and 67% in what we call the Global South. 2.5, 2.5, I didn't say million, billion people that named the name of Christ not in a profane way that you hear around the street over here. Friends, never judge what you think God is doing in this world by your own environments or your own country where the name of Christ is, but an aberration and something to be moved over because who wants somebody else to tell me how to live? And yet you feel so alone to become an ubermensch, as Nietzsche said, to find purpose and meaning in your life and at the end to be able to say that the purpose and the meaning you did create is absolutely purposeless and meaning. And by the way, party hearty. Throw it all out. No, Jesus says, come unto me and have that conversation with me today. And throughout the world, I've worked in a number of places and they're just tired of it all. And they're saying, yes, Jesus, I'm coming to you. beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, beautiful what Jesus is doing. It's amazing the impact of Jesus in world history. Why? Because he's alive. Christ was born in the first century. Yeah. But he belongs to all centuries, doesn't he? He was born a Jew, but he belongs to all peoples. And Christ was born in Bethlehem, but he belongs to the whole world. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have every Eternal life Christ he is the hinge of history he's the King of Kings he's the Lord of Lord he mastered life and conquered death he is the Son of God the Savior of the world and he never becomes weak and weary so my friends the question is what's so unique about Christianity summed up in one name and one person Christ if you have Christ you have it all if you don't you have nothing William Wilberforce, that great British politician, who, with his friend, Prime Minister of Great Britain, Pitt, helped abolish the slave trade, made this very astounding statement. He said this, and I quote, If there is no passionate love for Christ at the center of everything... We will only jingle and jangle our way across the world, merely making a noise as we go. The present pontiff in Rome, and I'm not a papist, but anyways, there he is. In that Celestine Chapel, with all the cardinals around him on the very first day, there they were, beautiful chapel. He made this very interesting remark, and I think it's worth quoting. He said this, If we do not confess Christ, what would we be? We would end up a compassionate NGO. And what would happen? We'd be like children making sandcastles by the seashore. And when the tide comes in, all will fall away. And Jesus had a conversation. And he said to Peter, and he says to you, and he says to me, at home or here this morning, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Come, follow me. His name was Dr. Patrick Kennedy. It was in the late 1950s. He had... uh, had an excellent medical practice in North America, states actually, and uh, he was wanting to do a little extra thing, a a conversation with Jesus. There's people in this world who have never even heard about Christ, so let me do my little part, you know, the two-week thing. It was a little longer because it took a longer time to get there. And he went to this part of the world called the Arabian Peninsula. It actually happened to be in Bahrain, right beside Qatar, where the world uh, soccer or football, I guess that'll happen next year. And while he was there helping out, uh, he, he received an invitation from the ruler of the United Arab Emirates, Sheikh Zayed, to come. You've probably heard of cities like Dubai and Abu Dhabi. (laughs) There he was, ended up in Abu Dhabi, not like the Abu Dhabi today, and then was asked to go in some four-wheel Jeep drive and go over the sand dunes. At that time, it was eight to 10 hours from Abu Dhabi to a little town called Al Ain, right beside the border of Yemen. They bumped their way over there. They found bedo tents, some adobe huts. And the sheikh met Dr. Kennedy, and they sat down and had tea, flicking the flies away, being there. Dr. Kennedy, thank you for coming. We have a problem four in 10 of the little ones that we expect to be born perish within the first year sometimes it's 50 percent not to speak of the mothers our daughters our sisters it's horrific we can't go on like this and then the question dr kennedy would you come here at this The 50s would you come here he doesn't speak a word of arabic would you come would you come here and set up a little hospital to care for our dear wives and sisters and to to care for those little babies now you see dr kennedy and his wife dr marion who wasn't on that initial trip they were followers of Jesus, they loved Jesus. So any real follower of Jesus, you gotta talk to him on occasion, believe it or not. And when the sheikh, the ruler, with his dagger there, tents, camels, the goats, the sheep, he asks, would you come here and set up a hospital? He says, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll pray to Allah. You know, no. <laughs> I mean, he's a normal person like you and I. And as he goes back to that adobe hut, the things start happening. The waves start seething, the wind starts blowing. Well, this was been a nice short trip, you know, but that was, I'd ha- you know, if I came there, I'd have to close my practice. Because I'm smart enough to know you just don't set up in a, a hospital in six months. And not only that, I couldn't do it myself. And nobody, nobody even knows that part of the world. Like, where? What? Arabian Peninsula? Al Ain? What are you talking about? And, and not only that, well, I'd have to invite my wife to come. <laughs> you know, she's got this most lovely skin, you know, and with this wind and the dryness and it gets up to 52 degrees, no amount of oil of a lay will take care of that lovely skin. You know, like, oh, that's a sh oh, my. Well, Lord, you know, a little detail, uh, you know, the 401k or <laughs> CPP, old age, you know. They, I, I hear they don't pay those kind of people that do that kind of stuff a whole lot. And not only that, you know, I've built up a reputation. Anybody have a reputation here? You mean you would leave Sunnybrook and go to Egypt? No, a, a physician who was a director there. He did that because of a conversation with Jesus. Lord, really, what are you asking me? I wasn't right in that room. But I've had those conversations. You know, like, and it's finally he says, you done? (laughs) Anything else? And in that silence, he starts to speak. That's when he speaks, when we close this. Probably heard these words. Patrick, he eliminates the doctor and the titles and the pedigree and our identity. He says, Patrick, take courage. It's all right. And guess what? Minor detail don't be afraid. So he's on the edge of that boat. He goes home, tells his wife, had a conversation. We're moving. Great, where to? Yeah. And they set up a little clinic. You can actually Google it. It's called Oasis Hospital. It's now called Canad Hospital after Canada an uh, Oasis hospital in the city of Al Ain, A-L-A-I-N. A minor detail, when all this started to happen like there was nothing, and then they found something in that part of the world. I don't know if you remember, but it's called uh, black gold. <laughs> Sheikh Zayed did not live in tents where they go for fun. But there's no home in Canada that is as palatial as the homes of the sheikhs over there. We've seen them. And Dr. Kennedy and his wife moved there with a few other colleagues and started to love and care for those dear people with the love in compassion of Jesus, but Jesus was in the forefront and on the lips. And that little clinic began. And all of a sudden, that infant mortality rate plummeted, and women and daughters and sisters and babies were cared for with that beautiful love, that compassion. Before you know it, the clinic became bigger. Sheikh said, oh yeah, you can have a place of worship. And they did. They built a little church. Fast forward, because time's moving on. <laughs> Was there, and by the way, we have teams there that remember going to that part of the world first, and they had the uh, Al Arab seven-star hotel, you know, where Federer and that <coughs> plays tennis on the, <coughs> Helicopter pad 40 stories up where you paid $3,500 a night for your room. There was nothing. But the sheikh said, oh, well, you want land? Give you some land out in Al Ain, or not Al Ain, uh, Jebel Ali. (laughs) Long in the short church buildings built. What's a church building like that look like? Well, it's actually a little bigger than this. They have 21 congregations that meet. 21! Yep. Got to hire on a couple extra janitors. Because you see, people... And they, uh, Ken, Patrick Kennedy had no idea that, that people from around the world would find about places like Dubai and Abu Dhabi. You know, that's the place. Emirates Air, right, <laughs> all those places. Uh, that's become kind of a center hub of the world. Not in those days. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> you see, Don Patrick Kennedy, well, let's see. This is going to become the central hub for all. Of, <laughs> unbelievable. Built a, uh, an airport, runways over there. Supposed to have six parallel runways. No snowstorms, by the way. No de-icing <laughs> works. How do I get this thing going? Here we go. Can we have the next image? Do I need to point this somewhere? Sorry, Pastor. No, I, oh, oh, yeah. So, so eventually that, what happened was the ruler, now the son of Sheikh Zayed, uh, he took over and he said, well, this hospital's like way too small. Uh, build a bigger one. So they came back, 40 million bucks. Uh, d- by the way, stop sweating. I'm not going to ask you for money this month. He said, no, 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 Big build a bigger. 100 million to $200 million. One of the best hospitals right over there. And right in the very front, if we can have the next image, you have this sign that says to provide world-class care with the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Sheikh Zayed, uh, the little son that dropped quite a few million dollars. Uh, Dr. Kennedy, his wife, another physician. Uh, next image, please. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's free la- Oh yeah, free okay. land. Imagine that, mayor giving you free land to build. Uh, 23 congregations. Next one, please. Yeah, that one's the, in Abu Dhabi church, by the way. 53 congregations meet there. All the time. Uh, you can't have long winded preachers because, you know, in, out, that kind of a thing. And you see people from all over the world, congregations like multiple languages. You got to be a linguist, but you love Jesus? Yeah. Amazing people from all over the world. We've seen thousands, Chinese, unbelievable. Seen with my own eyes thousands at mid autumn festivals and Chinese New Year's come and bow the knee before the living Christ and come and meet him, and it's just like beautiful. You say, there? Impossible. But you know what? it started off with a little conversation with Jesus. You say, really? It was little. It seemed so insignificant in the annals of history. But one person actually listened. You see, friends, decisions determine destiny and what we do in life echoes in eternity. It does. Unionville Alliance Church, you say, another mission's morning. Oh, let's get it over with. And that's, it's got nothing to do with missions. It's got everything to do about a conversation with Jesus, opening our ears and saying, Lord, Spirit of God, lead me, lead us, and we will watch you do the amazing things. Oh, friends, he's, he's long gone, Dr. Kennedy. He never saw many people, even Balvenie, before Christ. Live to be forgotten, though, so Christ will be remembered. That's worth quoting again. Live to be forgotten, so Christ will be remembered. For he builds a city and a life with solid foundations. Kingdoms come, friends and kingdoms go and governments come and governments go. They're nothing in the sight of God. But the kingdom of Christ will last forever and ever. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what's worth listening to? Crack the book open. Spirit of God, speak to me today. Oh, you've given me a job. I'm thankful, I'm grateful, I'm blessed, but Lord, I can't just keep it for myself. He died for all that they who live should now no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. Lord, I'm sick and tired of just living for myself. I'm overdosed on that. Give me the grace to get a life because it's in giving that you do get a life. Oh, Jesus, speak to my heart. What about my neighbors? They're from all over the world. Well, the mask now can't do anything. Oh, my, what a lie. That's all I need to do. Whatever I need to do, wherever I am. We said, what can we bring? How about a cheery disposition? In Jesus' name. There are so many things you and I can do, but it begins with that conversation with Jesus. Now, perhaps at home, you're sitting beside mom and dad on that couch, and because they're telling you to listen to this type of thing, sorry, I've been there, done that. And perhaps you've never had that conversation with Jesus. It's kind of scary. You know, to ask somebody else to lead and control your life, woo. Friend, I was there and it was on the television watching Billy Graham in Montreal. But I had that first conversation with Jesus and my life was changed and it's changed to this moment and to this day. Even now that I'm retired, I guess it's a kind of, a form of refinement where that, because it's easy to speak in an enlightened way, harder to live in an enlightened way And may the gap between what I say and what I do become smaller. But you've never had a conversation with Jesus. Friend, don't be afraid. Talk to Jesus for the first time and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for the wrong I've done. Give me joy, give me peace, give me purpose in my life. And friends, I know he'll do that. Throughout the world, billions of people I've experienced that but you can't unless you go through that portal of faith and trust christ do it even today perhaps some of you here this morning you do the religious thing hey been there done that and always tempted to but you know to honestly have that conversation with christ it's been a while you're overcome you're overwhelmed with the pressures of life you really don't know where to go and you've tried it all step out that boat and walk on that water as jesus calls and says come take courage it's i and have that conversation with him i know i need to talk to my classmate i know my but I'm so afraid, where they say everything is right, but do not talk about Jesus. (sighs) Pressure to conform. That's persecution. That's all it is. And Jesus says, hang easy. They did it to me. They'll do it to you, but I will be with you. Take courage, and you'll see what happens, because it's not you, it's him. It's not I that live, but Christ that lives within me. And you will see miracles happen. Patrick Kennedy, our teammates over there have seen thousands come to the Lord, to Jesus. It's not the teammates, it's Jesus. It's not UAC, it's Jesus. It's that cup of cold water. Yeah, but it's not that. It's Jesus using that through our hands. Beautiful. And he invites us today. Today is the first day of the rest of our lives. Stay interested in your life in Jesus. Stay interested in yourself and Jesus and stay interested in others with Christ. And he'll do amazing things. And Jesus said, "My son, my daughter, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Come, follow me, and I'll be with you His presence. God bless you. Tonight, there's a whole whack of other stories. The beginning. And by the way, Pastor, it's not us guys up here need to flap our gums. Each one of you, you're coming up here too to tell the story of your life, your conversation with Jesus. Right on. (laughs) And you will be astounded by what Christ is doing, has, and will. Grateful, thankful, and blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, UAC, and come follow Christ. Amen.